0: Welcome to Free Christian Church of God's Audio Outreach Ministry. For more information regarding the Audio Outreach Ministries, or to order past messages, please contact the church office at area code 419-596-3103, or visit our website at www.freecog.org. And now here's Pastor Jimmy Fry with today's message.
1: James one twenty two says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Ouch. Let's pray. Lord, I'm thankful for today and uh, God, the energy that Football Sunday brings, uh, the people that it brings in. Uh, but God, if it's void of your word, then it's off or not. Uh, so Lord, I pray that today your message is received, that lives would be changed for eternity. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. I was about 15 years old. And my dad was taking me to the Ohio State-Illinois football game. It wasn't our first time. I think it was our third. He's already hiding his face. He knows what's coming. This would have been the last game in the horseshoe before it was renovated. So after the game, they were going to uh, add bleachers uh, to the top. Uh, they were gonna take out the track and they were lowering the field to add more uh, seating. And so when, when you do really anything with, with my dad or with a fry in general, we always go early. We, when we're gonna pay for something, we wanna get the full experience. So we go to the game really early. We go to every sausage stand that's down the street. We would go to the skull session. We would sign up for a credit card so we could get a free blanket. We did it all, we did it all. Go to the game early, stay at the game late, This game was a little bit different. Uh, It all kind of went down uh, in ways that I never would have imagined happening. The game was over, and the police and security come down and surround the track because evidently there were rumors that fans were going to charge the field. So we sat back as good Christian men, and we watched as people attempted Climbed the fence and charged the field to steal a piece of the turf before it was tore out. And that's when I looked over at my dad and saw the fire in his eyes. And he was staring at the bottom corner of the end zone, and I remember thinking to myself, Today is the day we go to jail. Dad took one step out of his seat and standing on the steps, popcorn box tucked underneath his arm, looks at me, looks at the opposing team, looks back at me and says, and I, quote, there are more of us than there are of them. (laughs) And down the steps my fifty. Young year old dad went, I couldn't keep up, jumping the fence, running out onto the field, sprinting down to the E of the closed end of the stadium, takes his church keys out, church keys out, and cuts him a section of the E in the end zone of the horseshoe. Stuffs it in the popcorn box, which made me know this is now premeditated crime. And jogging out of the stadium, we were not arrested that day because there were more of us than there were of them. True story, my lion. Yeah, if we'd had a bigger truck, he was going to roll up the O. That's, uh, but this, really the story goes on. We, I remember we ate at a Chinese restaurant after the game, and Dad had a little Blue Ranger. Well, he still has it, so just me and Dad's little Ranger. And he had the popcorn box with the grass, the turf in it, sitting in the bed of the truck. So we get out to eat, lock the truck, shut the doors. He goes, what'd you, what'd you do with the field? I said, it's in the back of the truck. He's like, Put it under the seat and lock the truck. I said, "Dad, it's dirt. It's not dirt. If somebody knows what's in that box, they'll steal it." So we put it under the seat and we locked the truck, and it's still in a frame in his basement. I meant to grab it, uh, so I, th- so you would know this is a true story. Uh, folks, that's a die-hard fan. That's a die-hard fan. And a criminal, I suppose, yes. <laughs> but mostly a die-hard fan, right? How many of you are avid sports fans? Let me see, let me see your hand. There we go. How many of you are just, you, you don't really care. You just don't. Half of you are going to get nothing out of this sermon. <laughs> nothing. As avid sports fans, we have a tendency to be all-knowing, judgmental, emotionally unstable lunatics. Right? Yeah, and all you non-avid sports fans would agree, right? Looking, look at us, just look at us today. We, we think about the big game all week we, we fantasize over the glories of victory that will be had. We wake up early. We fire up the smoker. We grocery shop for wings and dips, and we have pregame on the TV, and we have sports radio on the radio in the garage. We educate ourselves on the players, in the stats, in the injuries. And when the time comes for kickoff, We plant ourselves in our spot, right? Our spot. Not the wife's spot, not the kid's spot, my spot. Amen? Okay, as I thought, maybe a couple of us in here. And then we, we go into this most extreme love hate relationship for 60 minutes, right? And honestly, if you think about it, in any sport, aren't the fans the worst part of it? Aren't we just absolutely terrible? We can't stand ourselves, we can't stand each other. It's bad, it's really, really bad. But we get impatient, we get critical, we get fickle, we shout things like, run the ball! call a timeout, put the backup in, fire the coach. At halftime, fire the coach. <laughs> we stand up, we sit down, we jump, we yell, we cry. We turn off the TV, then we turn it back on because there's still a chance. Uh, and with each win, we absorb it as if we have contributed to the stat sheet, how could they have won if it wasn't for me, right? But with every loss comes the extra heartburn medicine and the perfect analysis from the armchair quarterback and the contemplating of how much longer we can stick with this poorly ran team. I'm guilty, I'm guilty. I have to remind myself every Sunday, Jimmy, you will not let the Cleveland Browns ruin the rest of your day, (laughs) my whole life. But what about the 12th man, right? We hear all kinds of stories and legends of the 12th man, the home field advantage. Surely there is a way that 100,000 cheering or booing fans with their chests painted and pom-poms waving contribute to the outcome of a game, right? Nope. No, not really. In fact, I I looked it up. In the past three years, NFL home teams have not cracked a 52% winning percentage at home. More than half of last season's playoff teams, the Bengals, the Patriots, the Raiders, the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Rams, the Cardinals, and the 49ers, posted a better record on the road than at home. The Cardinals averaged seven fewer points at home than they did on the road, finished with a losing record at home. So did the Eagles, who allowed 2.6 points more a drive, per drive at home, which was the second worst in the NFL. And the Patriots, who nobody likes, um, They didn't have a losing record at home since 2000 when Bill Belichick became their head coach. So it would seem to me that the 12th man needs to watch some film and regroup. Because they're not doing their job. So die hard fan, I hate to say it, I wish it were different. But from the bleachers, from your lazy boy recliner, no matter how prepared you are or how loud you shout, you are worthless. (laughs) I know, right? When it comes to Christ, we find that many people treat their relationship with him and his church much like our crazed fandom. Team Jesus has many die hard fans. We play our worship music on the radio. We've got the preacher on the TV. We got our dress shirts ironed. We wake up early to put the roast in the crock pot. We open up our devotional from our lazy boy. We preheat the car and we arrive to the church. And there's too many announcements just too many announcement that extra outreach stuff means nothing to us get to the message right after you sing my favorite fight songs right we got our fight songs in church don't we and then we lean back in the stands and for approximately 45 minutes it depends on if I'm preaching or dad's preaching You have this love-hate relationship with the preacher. I see it on your face. I see it on your face. You question the strength of your bladder because this pastor doesn't allow for (laughs) halftime. If he peps us up, we'll high-five the rest of the team on the way out looking forward to next week's fight songs and the potential for another victory. But if he steps on our toes, if he tells us we're doing something wrong, if he pushes us to be better, if he calls a conditioning practice, oh, conditioning. We become armchair preachers on the way home, wondering how much longer we can stick with this team From our lazy boy recliner, from the pew, we're watching the live stream. Diehard fan, I hate to say it. I wish it were different, but from your pew, watching the live stream from home, you are worthless to the team. You're a hearer, but you're not a doer. You cannot be the 12th man of Christ's church. There are no die-hard fans in heaven. Only followers. Only doers. So it's not just enough to come and to hear the word. It's not enough to show up. It's not enough to take in information. It's not enough to sit in the stands. We must suit up. We must get on the field. We must join the huddle. We must run the play. Do it. Many times we will hear a good sermon or we'll read a good devotion, and we feel as if that causes some sort of spiritual growth and brings us a blessing. But that's a 12th man mentality. It's the doing it brings the blessing. No game has ever been won by the coach calling up the right play. Victories are only had when the play is executed. We love to draw up plays. We love to demand that other people execute those plays, but we ourselves must be on the field and be active. There's no denying that as time goes, we are in the fourth quarter of the game. In fact, we're probably even closer to the two minute warning. The final whistle is in the mouth of the official. And some people just want to let the clock run down and bank on the Hail Mary, pun intended. They say things like, well, we should just let go and let God, right? I I, I did some research just this morning. ESPN statistics say that a Hail Mary is successful 9.7% of the time. One out of ten. And that's how people live their life, right? In fact, uh, one quarterback... In all of NFL football, has completed a hail mary three times, three times of, in a long career, and he's not he's not a very liked man. His name's Aaron Rodgers. Any Aaron Rodgers fans, that's, that's it. Just just two of you. That's fine. That's fine. We don't like you guys today. But ask Aaron Rodgers, what's the key? This man. What, he's, how long has he been in the NFL? Fifteen years? Twelve years? Three times successful at it. And he says, you have to practice it. You still have to practice the Hail Mary, right? But many people have this mentality. Let's just close our eyes. Ignore what's going on around us. Drop back. Throw the ball as hard as we can. And just hope that we win the game. Let go, let God. No, church, this is what we've prepared for. These final moments is what the church has been trained for. It's not let go and let God, that's 12th man talk. It's more like resist temptation, discipline your life, buffet your bodies, not buffet your bodies, buffet your bodies, take up your cross, and follow me. That's like I-formation football. That's like smash-you-in-the-mouth football. You're gonna get hit, you're gonna get hurt. Break the huddle. Line up at your position and at the sound of the Great Commission, do your job. Everybody, just do your job. Make the block. Run your assigned route. There is an assignment for every player on every play. No one gets a break. Puritan preacher Thomas Watson wrote Take every word as spoken to yourselves. When the word thunders against sin, think thus, God means my sins. When it presseth any duty, God intends me in this. He said, many put off scripture from themselves as if it only concerned those who lived in the time when it was written. But, it is te- but if you intend to profit by the word, bring it home to yourselves. A medicine will do no good unless it is applied. You see, the whole Bible is for the whole church. It's been said that too many Christians mark their Bibles but are not marked by their Bible. James 1.25 says, But the one who looks in the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Okay, fine, right? You got me. I'm in. I'll suit up. I'll join the huddle, but don't give me the ball. Don't give me the ball. I'll probably fumble it. I don't want to get hit by the opposing team. There's no sense in cracking a rib or getting a concussion. I mean, look how good this uniform looks on me. We don't want a grass stain, do we? I just stand off to the sideline and look like a Christian, right? No, Christian, your number's been called it's your play and if you don't get moving we're gonna get flagged for a delay game right how many christians are guilty of a delay of game i'll start tomorrow lord delay a game <laughs> but you know when someone is guilty of a delay game The whole team pays the price. The whole team gets the penalty. The whole team has to take a step backwards. We also have a tendency in the church to want to hand the ball off to the most talented person. Just give them the ball. We don't mind to run our most talented and willing players rugged. But you see, there's a coordinator who sits in a booth up high in a stadium? He knows what the defense is going to run because he sees the whole field. And he sees that Satan has locked in on the pastor. He's got double coverage on the elders and the teachers, but he notices this open path to the end zone. It's a small gap. So he sends the play in. Matthew seven, thirteen and 14. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many. But the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. It's up to you. It's all come down to you. Your number's been called. The route has been given. It is a narrow and dangerous slant route, right up the middle, right where the linebackers are sitting, right? So the huddle breaks, you jog to your position, and you press your toe on the line. And you notice something that you've never noticed before. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight of sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, though the church was never meant to be a spectator sport, there is a twelfth man. A fandom in the heavenlies of the heroes of the faith. But if you don't know God's word, if you don't know the historic realities of the saints who have gone before, you are living your Christian life in an empty stadium. But for the true believer, the believer who knows the word of God and the saints who have gone before, there is a stadium full of them cheering you on. From eternity, they are encouraging you. Moses and Peter and James and Paul and Elijah. And they're cheering you on because this play, this gospel call has now been placed upon your shoulders. They did their job. And now this call has been placed upon you. Your number called. The whistle blows, the play clock starts, and you got one shot at this. One shot. It's the loudest arena you've ever been in in your life. You look across the line as the defense is lining up, and you think to yourself, what do I do now? I'm not in good shape. I'm not qualified for this. I have fumbled the ball my entire life. What do I do now? Well, you consider him. You consider him. Hebrews says, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. Christian, consider him who pressed on in the face of persecution while being despised and rejected. Consider him who didn't pull up short and run gingerly, but with fire and passion and love ran the narrow route all the way to Calvary. And as he crossed the line, as he broke the plane, declared, It is finished. It is finished. Three of the greatest trash-talking words ever spoken. It is finished. Christian, consider him and run the play. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. Follow the route he has set before you. The ball is snapped and the players begin to move you bust out of your stance, focused on the route set before you, and you'll find that you have renewed strength. It's as if you have been mount up with wings like eagles. Suddenly you can run and not grow weary or faint. And you hear the clashing of the helmets in the footsteps of the defense on your tail. The sound of the cheering saints is suddenly drowned out by the beat of your heart. And you begin the slant. The ball's in the air, and you reach high to snag it, noticing it has been stained by the blood of the martyrs. The sweat of those who are cheering you on spins from the laces as it spirals towards you. You reach up and you squeeze the ball coming down just yards short of the end zone. And everything seems to pause. And you hear a familiar voice shouting from the crowd, Brother, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He's saying, finish the play. Run with the ball. Run with all of your strength. Run with all of your might. You see, the reward isn't being in the huddle. The reward isn't just lining up. It's not even running the route or catching the pass. You've got to cross the line. You've got to finish the race, you have to break the plane or it's all for naught. Joshua 1.8 says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night. Be hearers of it so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. So it's meditation, it's hearing the Word of God, it's reading the Word of God, then it's application. You have to do what it says, and then it's success. That's how you score. So it's time for many people to get out of the stands. There's enough armchair quarterbacks within the church who want to sit back and just say how the GM should do everything, how the coach should do everything, how the coordinator should do everything, how the quarterback should do everything, how the defense should do everything, all the while they're worthless to the team. They do a lot of this, and not a lot of this. A lot of talking, but not a lot of doing. So it's time we learn the playbook. It's time we study the playbook. It's time we jump into the huddle, know the play, run your route, catch the pass, finish the race, all the way to the goal line. So you can say as 2 Timothy 4, 7-8 says, I have fought the good fight. I fought it. I was on the field. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. It's time to get out of the seat and get on the field. There's too many die-hard fans, too many worthless couch potatoes. Get in the game and run the play. Run the play. Now I know this is, I mean, it's kind of just like a little sports message here, isn't it? And you don't, You don't go to your coach and complain. Coach asked too hard. You need to be more of a cheerleader. No, if he was a cheerleader, he would he would be a cheerleader, but he's the coach, right? And and Paul all throughout Paul's writings, Paul Paul, Paul was an avid sports fan, you can tell, by how he talks, by how he addresses things in athletic events. Um, and that's why I love football Sunday. I, that's why I think it's biblical, because Paul would have. But here's the thing. It, especially in this world that we're living in, there's, there's so many people, so many people who profess to be Christians, and all that is is lip service. The Bible says you will know a Christian by their fruit. And there's so many people, like, like I just, I'm not Justin Fields. I'm not. Even close. But we, we dress up like we're, like we're somebody who's way better than we are, right? And, and so I, I wanted to be real with you today, because I know some of you, you know, you're visiting for the first time, or, you know, you occasionally jump in here to church on and off, and I just want you to know that... Um, the ones who raise the trophy are the ones who are on the field. And you, the Bible says do not be deceived. And you've deceived yourself because you bought a jersey and you're this die-hard fan that heaven's going to be your reward. But faith without works is dead. Now works doesn't give you faith. Works is what happens when you have faith. You can't help but live with fruit when you're a Christian. You ever try to sit an athletic player on the bench? They can't stand it. If you're comfortable on the bench, I don't want you on my team. I want people who want to play, who want to fight. And I think that that's a God-given desire. Because every Christian, true Christian knows what it took the route that was run in order to set them free and every christian understands that now our life is not our own for we were bought with a price therefore we glorify god with our bodies right this living sacrifice put me in coach put me in coach it's time that i think some of you really come to grips with your fandom of Jesus, and get on the team, get on the field, and run the play. As always, we're going to open up the altar here, and we'll have the staff and elders be ready to pray with you. If you're worried about that, if you're thinking, man, you know, he's right. That's me. That's me. I got all the gadgets and the jerseys hanging in my closet, but think about it, I'm really not doing anything to further the kingdom. Come down. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to find out what's going on, because we need players
0: on the field. Amen. You have been listening to Pastor Jimmy Fry from Free Christian Church of God in Continental Ohio. We hope you have enjoyed today's message, and we would like to invite you to visit us next Sunday morning. Our Sunday morning services begin with Sunday school at 9.30, followed by the worship service at 10.30. Free Christian Church of God is located on the corner of State Route 15 and State Route 634, just north of Continental. For more information regarding this or other ministries, call the church office at area code 419-596-3103 or visit our website at www.freecog.org. This has been a Free Christian Church of God Audio Outreach Ministries production.